We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a Would you rather hear a 90-minute podcast with detailed analysis of Arsenal's victory in Dubai or a really silly concept with crazy made-up questions that's tons of fun and a great distraction from the international break? This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. You're getting the latter. We are not doing a 90-minute deep dive on Arsenal 3, Al Nazir 2. Um, <clears throat> we may get a little chat on it, but I'm just going to say that this has been the longest international break ever, and I am personally ready for it to be over, and we are going to usher it out the door with a concept called Would You Rather. You're probably familiar with it if you listen to the Arsecast, although um, when they do it, it's more like, would you rather uh, have a hundred Thierry Henrys at Arsenal or have to make love to Mustafi one time or something like that? But, you know, like, <clears throat> we're going to do it a little differently um, I don't, that, the one I said doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Anyway, uh, you'll see, you'll, you'll understand it very, very quickly. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to have Paul and Scott on later to do a nice long section, but, uh, due to scheduling conflicts, we couldn't have everybody on together and I didn't want to miss the chance to have Clive do it because he is the star of the show and he is here and you can find him on Twitter at, uh, Clive P-A-F-C. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Uh, I do want to mention Clive did what I think is an extraordinary transfer podcast on Patreon, uh, a deep dive on our needs, targets, youth targets, it was more senior targets, covered all of European football, really went through the academy and who could be a prospect to look for. Um, I was not expecting it to be very good, uh, but he surprised me and really turned up the heat, um, and, and I thought it was excellent. So if you haven't signed up for Patreon and you're thinking about it, 
that would be a podcast to check out. If you don't want to sign up for Patreon or it's not for you or it's not in the budget, like absolutely no problem. Totally understand. We might try to release that, you know, later in the summer or something uh, to everyone. But the important thing is that you're here now. So let's get started. So to introduce the concept, this is a way to get Clive to answer the questions. Basically, that's how we develop the concept. Uh, And we'll see if he does it. So Clive, you ready for your first one? Yeah, let's see if you can get me to do what you want me to do. (laughs) I've not had that much success with that uh, in my personal life. Let's see if it works on the podcast. I'm going to start with the super, super generic one just to kick it off. Would you rather finish fourth but ahead of Spurs or win the Europa League and finish fifth behind Spurs? Wow. That, uh, I have to say, um, I would rather finish... I would. Oh no! I'm gonna say win the Europa League. I'll tell you why. Because okay. the because the outcome is the same. We reach the same competition. We have less money coming in um, because the the cut will be about ten percent of the Champions League money for UK teams. So we have less money coming in. But I am a big believer that we, as a club, for the size of club we are, with our global fan base, we have. Our record in Europe is shocking. I mean, I was there in 94 when we beat Palmer in Copenhagen. And that was a long time ago when I had a big afro. And I have not got any hair today. <laughs> right? So um, my waistline is not quite the same as it was back then. And that's too long, right? That's too long. And we need to fix that. So I think... We need to get our, our name back in Europe, and by winning that competition would be great. If I could guarantee, I would take that route, because I think that would be a, a positive thing for the club going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a tricky thing here, too, about finishing fourth. I mean, we always kind of hand wave it, but you do have to play a qualifier for the Champions League. And it is in August, mm-hmm. and it is right at the start of the Premier League season, and it's super inconvenient in terms of getting your your you know domestic season off to a normal start. Uh, you know, you're you're right at the beginning of the season. You played one game, and now you're playing midweek football already. It's the highest stakes football possible. And while sometimes they're easy, I mean, I remember one against Sudanese that was a nail biter uh, that we that we scraped past. And so I think that could be a decider for me, just because I think not having to play a qualifier, you know, combined with obviously the glory of of lifting a European trophy and having a trophy at the end of the season, would be it. It is obviously super super compelling to say that we could finish ahead of Spurs. But at some point, while Schadenfreude and, and tribalism and rivalry is a big, big part of football, your own happiness has to be derived from what your team achieves. And I think finishing fifth would mean that we hadn't necessarily collapsed. You know, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, we would finish have finished ahead of Chelsea or United in that scenario. So we probably did okay, just missed out. And we won a European trophy. And so I, I would probably take that too. But for me, the tipping point is probably the the European qualifier that goes with fourth because that, to me, yeah. has the chance yeah. to really disrupt the subsequent season. Does that make sense to you? It makes a lot of sense. But, um, yeah, my reasons are purely because I would get massively drunk if you win that trophy, and I think it would be good for the club. I've I, suddenly realized I, that Are you actually, suggesting that you are not going to get massively drunk at any point regardless of <laughs> our football and conquest? <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, sometimes I forget sometimes. I mean, I shouldn't forget talking to someone like yourself, but how global the club is in its fan base and that would have a, a really big effect to everybody around the world if we were to win something in Europe. So, you know, looking at it with my globalization head on, I think um that'd be real positive. I think the phrase you're looking for, my friend, is together in Baku. 
That's that's what this is all about. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Let's get to fantasy time. Um, let me say that again, fantasy time. And no, that's not the enclosed commercial that's coming up later. Um, would you rather, for the remainder of Arsenal's run-in this season, have a prime Santi Cazorla or a prime Alexis Sanchez? Oh, that's a tough one. Well, actually, it's not tough. I would go Alexis. And the reason why, the reason why I just think when he was top form, he was the best player in the league. I think Santi Cazorla is dear to our hearts, but I don't think at any point he was the best player in the league. And I think what he did was something that was almost like a nuanced type player that we all love because we knew... Yeah, he's someone you need to watch every week to really appreciate. I think with Alexis, his highlight reels were there for everyone to see and he could play deep, he could play wide, he could play centre forward, he could play 10. And his, when he was at his best, everything he did screamed, I'm the man, give it to me. And I just think his influence was, um, was greater. And in the end, Goals count, right? Goals and assists really count, and his goal-scoring record and assist record was was excellent. So I would choose Alexis as my man. Yeah, I think you have to say whose place would they be taking, right? So Alexis would probably take Iwobi, and while we love Iwobi, can you imagine a front three of Alexis, Aubameyang, and Mkhitaryan, right, in terms of just output, dribbling, dynamism, goal-scoring, or... Aubameyang, Lacazette, and Alexis. I mean, you could do that. You could play Alexis as a 10 like he did for Chile sometimes in his prime. I mean, yeah. you just add a lot of output. Sandy Cazorla would probably be replacing Shaka. I think it's a tremendous improvement. The funny thing is, Clive, I mm. think I'd pick Santi if we still had to play teams like Liverpool, City, United, Spurs. You know, I think in big games, Santi Cazorla's two-footedness in midfield, his ability to carry, his ability to break pressure, you know, control the ball, track pack, but also bring it into the yeah. final third. I think that's a big upgrade. And I don't know that Alexis, you know, necessarily could do his thing as much in those games where it's finer margins and, and Shaq's limitations in midfield might be exposed more. But we do play a lot mm. of middling teams during the run-in. And I think you just need to go out and score goals. Not to mention that Alexis was a big driver for us away. He was one of our better away performers, and we've got five away games. So let's play a little knockout football, though. All right, so you picked Alexis. For the remainder of the run-in, would you rather have Alexis Sanchez in his prime or prime Cesc Fabregas? Oh, see, that's a harder one because at their peaks, their influence was very, very similar. Um... That's slightly harder. Except Cesc made the whole team better. You know, and I, I, yeah. I'm still not sure if Alexis ever... I mean, he had a great assist numbers, but man, Cesc drove everything. Yeah, so when Alexis was good, there were other people that were he was taking the limelight from. I don't ever think Ramsey got on that well with him. And I think he had some of his quieter periods when Alexis was in the team. I think Ozil-Alexis' relationship was the primary one. Yes. And, and Theo managed to get invited to the party now and again, right? And Awobi came late to the party as well. But I think it, it sort of marginalised Ramsey's per se. Um, I think Seth Fabregas, we remember a lot of his best days with a lot of better players potentially than we have today. So I think, you know, with Henri and Van Persie and, you know, people like that, Riziki at peak Riziki. And, you know, I think we have maybe a fondness looking back of Seth Fabregas but the game's changed the game has become a lot more intense it's become a lot more physical it's become a lot more about what you do off the ball 
Um, you can't just sit in your armchair stroking around looking over your shoulders anymore. That doesn't work in the Premier League. So if it was today, I would still say Alexis, even though the feel-good factor would be a lot less when it comes down to football output, that guy was top, top class. So um, the, the even, though thing, a, even though it's a bit of an idiot. The thing that tips the scales for me with, with Sesk a little bit is, I mean, he could... He could play at the left wing and score goals like he did at Barcelona. He can play the 10 with two behind him and score and assist. He could play in deeper midfield, replacing Shaka. I mean, imagine a midfield of, of Ramsey, Fabregas, and Ozil or something like that. I mean, you've got a lot of creative output there. You're right. I mean, look, if I said to you, what's the position we're targeting this summer most of all other than center back? You'd probably say uh, a dribbly scoring wide player. And that's yeah. because we don't have one. And Alexis was that. So I think for this run-in, just for this cluster of eight games, his skills would would probably tip the scales for me. All right, well, that was an interesting one. Um, Let's get back to the current season, though. And sticking with the rum rum in, (laughs) I could put some rum in the coffee I'm drinking. That might be a good idea. Sticking with the run-in, would you rather keep our schedule the way it is now, keep the fixtures exactly as they are, or have – so right now we have – Three home games, five away games, correct? Yeah. Would you rather have six home games, but the two away games are City and Liverpool? Yes, I would. And the reason why, I think we could win all six of the home games. And we need... That would put us on 78. I think you you could potentially say we might still need a point from from City or Liverpool. I don't know. I think six wins does it. You think Without 78 points is there? I, yeah, I, I think third and fourth will probably finish tied somewhere between 77, 78, 79, something like that. And I think, or sorry, third will finish, you know, somewhere like 79. Fourth will be 77, 78, and tied with fifth, and goal difference will separate. I think it's going to be that close. So you think 78 points gets you there? Yeah, because in my mind, I've already got three, you know, six massive three nil wins at home by minimum, <laughs> and the, the away games we'd lose by the odd goal only. Right, the so goal difference would be massively in our favour. I'm just what I'm. What I'm really saying is, I'm worried about our away form. I'm worried about it. I'm hoping we're just over that hump that says we know what we want to achieve. This is Arsenal Football Club, and by the way, we're coming to get you now. And our away form would will psychologically take on a different different turn i'm hoping we get a a system in that we can take away that gives us the emotional comfort we need to play and to hold on to things we need to win those away games so i'm worried about that can, so that can I tweak my is, question then i'm gonna tweak it uh, slightly <laughs> would you keep it the way it is or go to six home games but the two away games are city and liverpool and we get the results from those fixtures that we already got so the five one and the three was it three nil at City? Yeah, yeah. That wouldn't be good, right? Because be right great. there, you've just lost seven goals of goal difference. So now if yeah. you think those 68 points are enough, fine. But if you think maybe you drop a point at home, even even two points at home, you're in deep, deep trouble. No, I still take the six wins. I'm, I've been, I've been well, saying six wins will do it. And the reason why, there's lots of you know, other teams that have got to play each other. And there's also, they've got the the emotional pressure of the Champions League. We've got City and Spurs playing each other three times. That's going to drain one or both of them. And I just think we've got Liverpool-Manchester United game. I just think there, there's so many other top six games and other huge European games 
that are going to be a draining factor. I, I know it's going to drain us as well. By the way, we've got the probably the second toughest draw in the Europa League. How the teams recover during those periods are going to be key, and who we have injury-free is going to be key. And I think if I could guarantee six wins right now, that would be more than enough. I think the points total will end up being a lot, a lot lower than we actually predicted. It's funny, right? In my original question, the way I originally asked it, I probably switch it to the six home games because I'd say, look, City and Liverpool are in a title race. They're going to be tense. They're going to be tight. There's a chance that maybe you get a point at one of those because they just freeze up a little, you know, with the pressure of the running. The way I asked it the second time, I think I keep it the way it is now. I don't think we can afford to drop seven goals of goal difference and then expect that we are definitely going to win six straight home games, you know, six home games in the run-in, because you'd have to. Because at that point, if you drop any other points, you're at 76 if you even draw one home game, which probably isn't yeah. enough. And even if it's enough to be tied, the minus seven goal difference you get, I, I think, is no good. So... I think in the original question, the way I asked it, I probably switch, but otherwise I keep it. The one thing that I think isn't being talked about enough, you know, when you play teams like Everton away in April, Leicester away in April, Wolves and and uh, Watford away in April, you know, yeah. th- these are good teams, but these are teams, I mean, Wolves and Watford have an FA Cup to contest. They have nothing to play for domestically. And so, some people could argue they don't even want to be in the Europa League. These teams are on the beach most of them, by the time you play them. I would rather be playing teams like that away, I think, than playing someone sitting 16th, two points off relegation, you know, with the crowd in a fever pitch battling Absolutely. for their lives. So, Like, like Southampton where we went there. Yeah, right? we, mm-hmm, exactly. They were, that we walked into the Lions Den, didn't we, and got smashed. We don't want any of those. No, so I, I think I think actually we could we could catch a break with that. So we'll see. All right, let's get into... A little bit of something dreary. How's that sound to you? Um, cool. Would you rather lose Lacazette to a season-ending injury oh, or Socrates to a season-ending injury? Well, it, it would have to be Socrates. Ooh, oh. Of course. Here comes Mustafi to save the day. Oh, you're bringing him right back into it, man. <laughs> I'm bringing him back in. Right? Hello. And the reason why... We've only got two forwards, really. And Aubameyang cannot play all of those games and sustain any level of form. I think we're talking you know, 12, 12 or so games minimum, hopefully. And um, So, yeah, we, we we can't do that with just one forward and, and one prospect. So I would say we have got four to five centre-backs that we could roll in and we could afford to lose one even though I don't want to see it happen. I think given that we're now seeing Emery willing to trust Ramsey and Ozil again, I might just go for the Lacazette injury. Um, not well, well, so here's, the only, here's my only argument. When you look at the worst football we played this season and the lowest ebb, I think it was when we had central defensive injuries. Um, yeah. I think Socrates and Koscielny playing together recently has been a big part of the resurgence, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Mustafi not being in the back line, or at least the center of the back line, I know he played fullback one of the games, has coincided with us looking resurgent. I I know I pick on the guy, and maybe I pick on him too much, but I do think that he adds an element of chaos. And I mean, you saw it even in Dubai. I mean, the way he dives in for that shot, look, it's a great shot at the end, and, and it hits in off the post, and there's no stopping it. But he yeah. doesn't dive in with a fake shot. He dives in with the guy's dribbling. Like He hasn't even shot yet. I just, I just think keeping him out of the lineup... 
adds a measure of security. Now, having said that, you're right. It's a lot for Aubameyang to do. My question would be, you got three home games. Could you nurse Aubameyang through them? Could you take a risk and bench him for two of them? Could you, you know, could you play Ozil and Ramsey and Mkhitaryan and, you know, find yeah. find some faith in Enkedia and and hope that you can get by, you know, Newcastle at home or something? I just... I just don't know that I can bring Mustafi back into it and and not worry that he won't torpedo our chances. I'm going to give you a scenario. Cause, right? cause, can I make one one more point real quick? We're talking yeah. about season-ending injury. So this isn't Mustafi comes in and plays one game. He's playing away at Watford. He's playing away at Wolves. He's playing at Napoli. If we make it, he's playing in the semifinal. He's pl- I mean, he, he may be playing those games anyway. Uh, well, don't don't do that to me. It's early in the morning here, man. Come on, I got a whole day to get through. Okay, okay. Uh, let me give you a scenario. It's just a simple one, and and you know. We're playing, we're playing Everton, and we are one nil down with fifteen minutes to go, and we bring on, we bring on uh, Lacazette to get us that goal, and that is, that's what that's the hope by which we all watch football. Yeah. When it comes down to it, it's you all about the goals that you score. <laughs> when that when that shit hits the fan, trust me, and you're one nil down, and we're all. And and Spurs are, and Chelsea are winning at exactly the same time. Trust me, we're looking at that bench. We're looking at what we can bring on. We're looking at every offensive player that's ever played for the club. Can we resurrect them and bring them on at that moment? Right. So, we are not looking for another centre half to bottle onto the pitch to secure it. Right. So, we have got centre half. We saw a little bit of um, a new centre half in in Dubai. That's another player we can now add into the mix. Uh, I'm not saying that what we have in the back there, we will, you know, we know we've got a bunch of three-star hotels, but I, I, I like the fact that we're moving towards a three at the back a little bit more to cover for the fact that we can now protect Kachelny a little bit more. We can protect the players that we have and it hides some of our sins. But when it comes down to it, we've got two fantastic forwards and they are going to be the difference. If they hit form and do what they should do, then everything's going to be good. I promise you. Okay, you've you've talked me into it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God! I mean, I guess you could also make the argument that in the in the Socrates injury scenario, we just try someone else. We try Miss uh, Mavropanos or Nacho Monreal, or you know, we 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 pull something else out of the hat. Um, yes. Okay, you ready for this one? Yep. Would you rather everything happen the way it has, or we re-sign Ramsey? On two fifty k per week, but we lose Ozil this summer on a free. That's a that's a tough one. Um, Not for me. That, that's a tough one. I, I think um, I, it's, I, I lean towards Ramsey, but I, that's because you've asked me the specific question, and I would lean towards Ramsey because I think. He's the type of player that Emery would like to deploy in many different roles, like he has done. And it's quite interesting. Even sometimes we, we look for roasting the glasses. When when Ramsey was playing half a game versus Spurs and done really well in the home game, we were all quite pleased. He played three intense games in eight days. He had the Spurs game. He had the Rennes game. had the Manchester United game. Bang. Straight down. Thigh injury. Gone two weeks that's probably the first time this season he's played three games in eight days and we've lost him and that's have, the have we lost him 
Yeah, he's out of the Wales squad. Right, but I'm I mean, sure is, is that one of those he may, he's he wink, be, wink out of the Wales squad, or is well, he? Well, they needed it. They had a they had a real game. It wasn't like a friendly game. The first game was a friendly game against Trinidad and Tobago, but the second game was a real one. I can't remember who it was against now, and they won it one nil. And um, but he was due to play in the second game for sure, not the first game because Bell. Do we have any well. news about him for Newcastle? I think he's close. I think he's really close. Um, but it's indicative of the fact if you're if you're going to pay somebody that amount of money, they've got to be more available than than they are. And it's the same for Ozil, by the way. I'm not picking on him. I think your your franchise players should be players you can rely on in all circumstances, home, away, and fitness wise. Obviously, if you're unlucky with a collision injury, that happens. But both of these guys have got sickness and injury records, which which for me doesn't warrant the money that they get paid i'd rather see something else in those roles right so that's um, why we ask the questions the way we do because you have to pick one or the other <laughs> yeah and i picked i picked ramsey purely because of the manager that we have and i've said before earlier i think i if emory had come along two years ago ramsey's stock would be higher and i mean really high based on not the fact that we've got a pretty average squad and he stands out within it, but really based on what he does as an output versus the very best players in the league. Are you trying to suggest I, we could have secured more than the zero pounds we got from Juve for him? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we could have, and I just think we, we would have seen a, a more tactically aware player being deployed on a particular job on a particular day rather than the free spirit we allowed to run himself into the ground and get repeatedly injured. That's what I would think would have mm. seen. And I think tactically I'm, I'm i got i got to hold my hands up tactically he's a player that can follow instruction he, he can follow what the coaches says and he is delivering a performance it's not spectacular but i am i like team performances and i like people that do jobs they're asked to do and do it to, to the best of their ability and and he's doing that yeah i i look at it this way right at their peak capabilities, I think Ozil is a better footballer than Aaron Ramsey. And I don't think that's a controversial yeah. thing to say. And that's not because I think Ramsey isn't good. It's because I think Ozil is capable of playing football very few players in the world can play. I yeah. think the reason I lean Ramsey is a couple of things. First of all, you could say the problem with Ramsey is his availability, but Ozil has similar problems. So you throw him in the same basket there. Ramsey has become something of a big game specialist for Emery and has been good in big games, whereas that has sort of been Ozil's Achilles heel per se. I mean, maybe some of that is narrative, but he struggles to influence the big games as much where a player who's given sort of his his freedom and, and wants to just, you know, play the game in the attacking third, you know, you have less opportunity to do that. So I think Ramsey's influence in big games is critical. I think his versatility is critical too. The fact that he could play as a wide forward, as a number 10 in Emery's pressing system, as a central midfielder means that there's more opportunity for him to fill gaps in the squad. And then yeah. also, Clive, just the fact that you're talking about a hundred thousand pound a week difference that can go to a pretty good, you know, not a star, but certainly a good player, a starter. Uh, you know, a center back, a yeah. someone someone you need. So you're really getting Ramsey plus another good player's wages in yeah. exchange for Ozil. And Ramsey is a couple years younger. So I think all of the boxes are ticked for Ramsey, except for the fact that I think Ozil is the better player at his peak. But I think the combination of not seeing that peak enough, the age he's at and the wage he's on means it would have to go to Ramsey. So here's what I want to do. We're 25 minutes in. We still have uh, uh, Scott... And Paul coming up with an entire Would You Rather segment. 
But we did play a game in Dubai, and there were some young players involved in that that had some interesting performances, and we always kind of want to keep tabs on that. And Clive, mm-hmm. you're sort of our resident go-to guy with that. And and by the way, if you go to Patreon and listen to the transfer special that Clive did, um, his manifesto, I called it. Um, I like that. Which has sort of nefarious con- uh, uh, connotations, but I didn't mean it that way. Um he talks a lot about the young players, but I, I want to do this, and I'm, I'm kind of scared to just take the reins off you, but I am going to take the reins off. I will give you at most five minutes, although four would be better, to give me your just sort of overview of the academy player performances in Dubai, and we'll caveat it with, it was a very hot day, it was a very humid day, it was raining, it was, it was a kickabout, it was a training session, it wasn't a competitive fixture, fine. Putting that to one side, give me your four to five minute summary of the academy performances in dubai well i did watch it and i'll be really intrigued to know paul watched it twice um i thought the there <laughs> were shade, a few shade. <laughs> <laughs> i thought there were let's talk about a couple right so Marathon panels started a little bit slow got into the game i think it's just nice for us to see what he looks like um for me i want to see what he looked like physically look at his speed look at how he approached things look how tight he got stuff like that i thought he he looks fine He's a player that just needs to play. He's barely played all season. So at best, I think he's going to be a bench player for us and potentially a substitute to cover an injury. Um, but he'll be one to watch next year to see what we do with him, whether we really bring him into the squad or we say to him, we want to get more experience to go out alone. Um, the one I really was intrigued to see um, was Xavier Amici. I I, I think he's got real potential. I think he's really quick. Um, he's, he's got the physicality right now. He's got a unique skill set of having a, a left footer happy on either side. He knows what he's doing when he's on the right. He's very clear-minded and he drives inside to either shoot or or play little one-twos or cross from an angle. I've seen him play on the left. He's very direct against kids. He can just storm straight past them. Against adults, now that adjustment, when you look it up against somebody that's just as fast as you, just as big as you, what are you going to do? I think that's going to be the next thing. And, and when people see players adjusting to that and they don't see what they see on the YouTube clips on the Academy games, they think, well, he's not that good. All that's happening is what's in front of him is different and he needs to retain the confidence that he can still do what he does against 18-year-olds, against 22-year-olds. So that's going to be his his sort of transition. There's Charlie Gilmore in centre midfield and... Um, ben Sheaf in centre midfield. Ben Sheaf is somebody that I've always liked. Always felt he's had a bit of a a rough deal. Um, but when I look at him now, he's got. He looks like a a championship player. Uh, it's not a criticism. I think he's got a lot of good attributes. But are they attributes that should be at? That's going to force a Guendouzi, Torreira, or Shaka out of centre midfield. Is he big enough to be a centre back? Maitland Niles is sharper, quicker, got more about him. Chris Willett's got more about him potential wise. So I look at him and think, you know what, you're twenty one now. You know, go and make a good career somewhere. Go go to somewhere like a Norwich City or an Ipswich Down and get your money and make sure you're playing every week and see if you can come back to top level again. So that's somebody we may lose. Charlie Gilmore's younger. He's got time at Arsenal to go no problem at all. Tyrese John Jules is one of a number of forwards that we have. Um he he looks he looks fine for me, but the the one that's really shining around him is a uh, Balogun, who's a, a year or so younger, and he is really 
killing it under 18s and he came on under 23 game and turned that as well so he's going to be one to watch and i think he may go past john jules quite quickly so um so watch out for that and i i think uh, it was promising to see them all play um it obviously looked very hard. It looked like they'd been training quite recently, and that was a load-up game because it took them a while to get going. So they've been heavily loaded. I'm sure they'll be resting now with the readiness for the games coming at the weekend for the youth level and that, or obviously for the game on Monday night. All right. Well, that was pretty well handled, Clive. Came in right at four minutes. I don't even know hey, what to say. I don't even know what to say. It took me two, two, three years of you beating me on the head and emotionally to... Uh, <laughs> to get better hey you know what two three years from now you might be able to do that in one sentence it'll be brilliant um we'll see well look this was a ton of fun um i'm really looking forward to what uh paul and scott have to say but admittedly not nearly as much as what you had to say and i'm sure it won't be as good so uh i I hope the listeners will stick around but if they don't they've heard the best of the podcast so i'm totally fine with that i'm kidding yeah, you know what? I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Um, so yeah, Clive's Transfer Manifesto is on Patreon. This is here and live and free, and that's great, and we're excited about it. And we have a lot more coming up, lots of games ahead, so there'll be lots more uh, Clive on podcasts in the near future. But for now, we'll say goodbye. Clive's on Twitter at Clive P-A-F-C. Thank you, Clive. Thank you very much. All right, what we're going to do is, oh, Clive, I had one more Would You Rather. Do you have time to sneak one more in? Cool, go for it. Okay, Would You Rather watch Mustafi start at center back in the next game for Arsenal? Or watch your uh, partner walk into the bedroom wearing brand new lingerie. <laughs> mm, let <laughs> tough, me think. Tough choice. Well, you know what? We can help with the latter. We're going to tell you all about the enclosed lingerie coming up in the break. And then when we're back, we will have Scott and Paul answering more Would You Rather questions. Stay with us. Okay, everyone, it's time to tell you about our friends at Enclosed Lingerie. You can find them online at The Enclosed, the, E-N-C-L-O-S-E-D dot com. Enclosed Lingerie is a lingerie of the month club. That's right, just like a beer of the month club, only better, because it's a high-end luxury lingerie gift for you and your partner that's going to enhance the intimacy in your relationship. Right now, if you put in Arsenal at checkout, they're going to give you $35 off any gift from Enclosed Lingerie. So you're going to want to go to theenclosed.com and sign up now. What better way to celebrate the romance in your relationship than celebrating with a gift from the enclosed? And the gifts keep coming every month. So while it can be difficult to remember to keep the romance, to keep the intimacy in your relationship, the enclosed has your back. Every month you're going to get that high-end luxury lingerie gift, and it's going to remind you of the importance of romance in your relationship. So do it now. Go to theenclosed.com. There is a perfect fit guarantee, so you never have to worry about the fit. It's beautiful high-end luxury lingerie. Just go to theenclosed.com and enter promo code ARSENAL for $35 off at checkout. Do it now. Okay, we're back. So now I have to ask you, would you rather hear from the statsy guy, give you his opinion without any statistics, or hear from the sweary guy, give you his opinion, probably with plenty of swearing still involved? Yeah, I know. It's an easy choice, but you're getting both. Scott's here. You can find him on Twitter at O underscore that underscore crab. Hello, Scott. Yeah! And Paul's here. You can find him on Twitter at Paused in My Pants. Hello, Paused. Second wankers. Yeah, there you go. We're off to a flying start. Okay, uh, no data today from Scott. We're just going to get his opinion. I'm sure he'll let data sneak into it somehow, a boring motherfucker, but we'll see what happens. So we're going to continue with the would you rather questions. I might hit you guys with a couple of the ones that I gave Clive because I'd be curious to see if you diverge from him at all. But I will start with you, Paul. And uh, 
so we have eight games remaining in the league. We'll just keep this pertaining to the league for now. Would you rather Mesut Ozil starts all eight times and Aaron Ramsey does not appear, or Aaron Ramsey starts all eight times and Mesut Ozil does not appear? Uh, Aaron Ramsey all eight times. I think there's a if he shows in five or six out of eight games above the average, uh, that would be a big contribution. Uh, with Messet, especially given five of the games are away from home, that's an easy one for me. There's, uh, I mean, I'd love it to turn out differently, but there's a very good chance that um, he will still struggle to impose himself on the game. And although you can make an argument for both their skill sets to break down uh, entrenched defenses, uh, I think I would take the proactivity and the, his ability to impress himself on a game uh, over Ozil's. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you. Probably because of the road thing. Let me let me ask you this, Paul. If it was if it was eight home games, would that change your opinion? Mm. That might. It it'd then be kind of fifty fifty on that one. That would that would tilt it to the really tough choice. I'd probably still. Uh, I, the secondary factory f- factor for me would be if S- Mesut Ozil managed to integrate a- himself into the team for the last eight games and turn things around with this, it would be something we could take forward into the summer summer, and maybe next year and maybe help the manager make his decision on things uh, versus Ramsey's off. So I guess I'd go with Ozil on that premise. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so you've talked yourself the other way around. But I think given the importance of finishing top four and given the five away games, I tend to agree with you. And then the interesting thing is what it lets you do is finagle your way into saying, well, then I can have a fresh Mesodozo for Europa League where I think he can maybe be more impactful. Um, but, you know, I, I that may be wrong. I don't know. I guess it sort of depends. So, Scott, over to you. Um, question. Do, do you want to just... One. Why don't you just give me your sort of quick two cents on that? Do you agree broadly? I, I guess you know I, I kind of um, disagree. I, I okay. think I might oh, go. All right, well then fire away. Yeah. Jesus um, Christ! It's <laughs> a reason we keep you off the section with Paul. <laughs> um, and the reasoning behind that is is you know if I, I'm assuming that the per, the reason that they're playing is because they're playing well, or is this just you know we you have to make a choice. No, I think you just take make the a choice. Look, don't edit my flawlessly delivered question. They are playing the way they're playing now. All things are true as of now. You can only pick one in the next eight games. Um, I'm picking Ozil. Um, I think he he fits well in with I think the the way that you know, Arsenal have been kind of lining up either in the you know the four two three one or the you know the three four three. I think he's been you know in that good kind of section. He's finally starting to get an idea of what Emery wants. Emery's figuring out how to use him. Um, I think that on his day, he is Arsenal's best player. Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, you don't want to purposefully leave out if you don't have to. So that's where I go with. Answer I the love question. Ra- and I love Ramsey. But, you know, we're talking about a guy that's going to be here for another, you know, three seasons after this. So I, that's the guy that I want to play. I demand you reconcile that with Ozil's away form over his Arsenal career. I don't think it's as bad as people say. Okay, fair enough. I don't, um, I don't, I don't have the data to back it up. I don't, I don't I, want I'll you to give the up. data to back it up because then I have to question my assumptions and I hate to have to do that, but you're probably right. Okay, um, let's give you one here, Scott. You can pick one player to have back from injury and available for the rest of the season. 
Would you prefer holding or would you rather Danny Welbeck? Wait, Hector Bellerin wasn't an option? Well, no, because he'd be the easy choice. That's why I okay. didn't include him. You see, these, um, these, these questions are structured to be difficult. Sure. Um, um, by the way, Paul, I I, just I hang Danny on. Welbeck, yeah. Hang on. One, one second, Scott. I want to say, Paul, I realize that you seem to have uh, some kind of issue with Scott being on the podcast, and you're demonstrating it by making as much noise as humanly possible while it is not your turn to speak. Um, but we can log your complaints and maybe you can just mute your microphone wall while you're not talking, if that's okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right, Scott, fire away. Uh, Danny Wilbeck. He's the guy that I want. Uh, yeah. Well, why? Um, and the reasoning is because I think, um, you know, Arsenal really need that rotation player for the, the wide positions. Danny Wilbeck has that. Um, are, you know, in games where Arsenal are chasing, um, he's a very important person to, um, be able to kind of come through and you know play different spots. You know he's a striker. He's a you know a wide, you know, a capable wide player, um, who's also really good at defense. So yeah, I think that he's the the guy that I want. You know I don't think that you know as long as uh, Koscielny and uh, you know Socrates are able to play, I don't think the the center back situation is quite as dire. Really? As, you know maybe. <sighs> I, 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 I think if those, I think people, if those two guys can play, if those two guys can play, I you think, think we're fine. You think those two guys, Socrates, who has been kind of struggling a little bit, and Koscielny, who's a million years old and back from Achilles, are going to play the next, what, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, hopefully 13 games without missing any? Yep. You think they're going to play 13 games twice a week the rest of the season? No, no I don't minutes. think they're going to, but I think that that is good enough. You think, you I think, think they can? That, you think they're... Look, there is I, no I think that, I think way... That, I think that you get 11, 10 to 11 matches out of each of them. Each so of them, but we need rotation. them both together. Okay, so what you're basically saying is you'd rather have Danny Welbeck and know that Mustafi's going to start at center back in some games than have Holding and know that you don't have to use Mustafi again this season. Yeah, yeah, I would. That's insanity. Paul, can you come on and correct this, correct this for the record, please? So I tend to agree with you, Elliot, in terms of selection of player as long as the manager went to re- along and played him. If, he, if, we kept, if we got Holding back... And he was actually starting instead of, say, Mustafi, which by general consensus is our biggest concern defensively, then that's easy. Uh, But I'm not fully convinced Mustafi wouldn't still start a bunch of of games along the way. Say we had an injury or we're playing three at the back. He's going to tend to play that right-sided centre-back, I think. Can can I stop you just for a second, though? I mean, if if holding's there and there's an injury, then we probably don't need Mustafi, right? Yeah, but kind of a little bit of, of Scott logic there. Just because we have him, just because you and I would start him. So if the question is, who who would we start if we had him back and it was down to you and me and Scott, we'd start holding. But the manager will probably still pick Mustafi at the moment, is my guess. Do you think so? Doesn't, he, doesn't it feel like he's started to move away from him a bit, or am I just reading too much into the situation? I think you might be reading too much into it. It's hard to tell. We haven't. We don't have a recent sample well, don't, size. Don't we have just... a back three game? Am I misremembering? Wasn't there a back three game where we started with a back three and Mustafi wasn't one of them? It was Nacho Socrates, Koscielny, Maitland-Niles, and Kolasinac, and no Mustafi? I'm not imagining that, am I? Uh, I want to say the United I want to say the United game? Uh, I'd have to check that. I will look that up, but you can continue to make your argument because I'm pretty convinced we have um, so if we're just going by who's back and who do we think the manager would play, then uh, I, yeah, I st- I'm with you. The, the defense is our biggest exposure at the moment, and having options there will be what I take. I think 
I love Danny, but I think we can get by without him attacking-wise, uh, especially now that Ramsey's integrated and give us some runs behind. It's a good question, though. It's close. Yeah, I mean, and by the way, it was the United game where we started without Mustafi in the back three. So it was it was Koscielny, Socrates, Monreal, Maitland-Niles, and Kolasinac. Mustafi came in for the banned uh, Socrates in the uh, Ren second leg, but we went with the same lineup and presumably would have done it without Mustafi had Socrates been available. I, I look at it this way, and um, I, I guess, Scott, what I would say to you is I definitely agree that Welbeck could probably do more in more games. The thing that holding does for us, I think, is set us up to have our preferred center back pairing as much as possible. Keeps Mustafi out of the lineup, which I know it sounds hyperbo- hyperbolic is the word I'm looking for, um, or bombastic, whichever you prefer. Um, but I, I really do think it's important that we keep him out of the lineup. But I also think what holding coming back does is he protects you against the catastrophic situation where a Koscielny or a Socrates just goes down, period. And now you have to play that other guy every game. So, I mean, you still see it as Mustafi, though, because you think in more of the games he can come in and give us something that we don't have? Yeah, I think so. Um, I I think so. I think that you're going to get more minutes out of a forward than you would a defender. Um, You know, forwards are going to give you guys that you're going to probably split them, you know, 60-30 between the players. So I think that, you know, on certain, I think Danny Welbeck actually fits both ways. So if Arsenal are looking to defend a lead, he's a guy that's going to come in. He's going to be able to help play on the break. He's going to be able to help his fullback who's behind him be able to really kind of solidify the match. If Arsenal are chasing a game, he's a guy that's able to get into the box. He's a guy that is able to get some shots, get some, you know, goals possibly, you know, it's never on purpose, but he's a a good threat, at least in that regard. So I think that those skills um, are something that are needed. Um, I'd rather him be one of the the main options off the bench over, you know, a Dennis Suarez or a Eddie Nketiah. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name because mm-hmm. I can't. Nketiah. Thank you. Um, so I think that that's something that, you know, while he may not be a, a nailed-on starter, while holding probably would be right on the cusp, um, I think that just an overall minutes that he would play, um, I think that's something that you're going to probably see more from Welbeck in that situation, in okay. this hypothetical. Yeah, I mean, look... I- I like Welbeck a lot. I think Welbeck gives us a lot of things we miss without him. He's a great pressing agent. He's great on set pieces. He's explosive uh, with his first step. And, you know, I mean, hopefully is still explosive with his first step when he comes back. Um, you know, he, he can chip in with goals, but I think he, he can also just be a real disruptive force in the attacking third. I think he is a player who actually really affects a match in big games where we want to press. Um, again, some of the smaller teams where... We want to build from the back. I'm not sure he's as critical, but yeah. All right, I can see it. I still, for me, it's the what do I have to do to keep Mustafi out of the team scenario, and maybe I'm just looking at it through too much of my biased lens as usual. Let's move on. Paul, you ready? Yeah. Would you rather this summer sell Alex Awobi for 20 million British pounds? Fuck off. Lucas Torreira for 40 million British pounds or Hector Bellerin for 60 million British pounds? The ones who stay can stay as long as you like. Who picked those prices? I did. And by the way, they're picked for a specific reason. And let me say, when I say the ones who stay can stay as long as you like, what I mean is you don't have to factor in the, well, if we don't sell him this summer, he's probably gone the next one anyway. I'm saying if you don't sell him this summer, in this scenario, they just stay. So Awobi for $20 million, Terrera for $40 million, or Bellerin for $60 million. You have to sell one this summer. Who's it going to be? Yikes. 
Uh, I don't think that's a very good price for a Wobie. So it's he's not. A definite, that's part of the question. Though. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's a definite candidate. Because uh, uh, getting sixty for Hector, um, could you find somebody who solves your problems by other methods, much as we all love Hector? Um, I wouldn't. So I definitely wouldn't sell Terrera, and certainly not for forty. So that's easy for me. It will be for twenty. We should only get us twenty. Um, <laughs> yep, <laughs> I believe we call that ooh. a tautology. <laughs> or we get sixty. So, uh, assuming my bank balance is important to me, uh, and I'm the guy responsible for transfers during the summer, I might have to go with Hector. After all, he's injured, so uh, he may not come back. To f- I'm going to make a hard-nosed decision. Go with Bellerin. Take my sixty million, and assume I have other ways to achieve a similar effect with sixty million in the bank. It's such a tough question. Whoever thought of it is really a cruel bastard. Scott, which way are you going? I think I might sell Terrera. Huh? Terrera for 40? Yeah. What's your reasoning? I, I, I think I that, you, you know... You take that guy's stats away from him and his numbers, and he's and flailing all And he makes no sense. Know. He, yeah. does, he, does not, he doesn't make any sense. <laughs> go, go, ahead, go, <laughs> go ahead, Scott. <laughs> all right. The reasoning... Um, Bellerin, uh, the right back, I don't really imagine that Arsenal can go out and really get a new right back. Um, you know, 60 is a lot for him, but I think Bellerin is really important in that spot. And I think that he adds a lot. Um, the price for a Wobie is just not really enough. Um, we need the homegrown, you know, players in there. So, I mean, if you're talking, you know, 50, 60 for a Wobie, then I would be willing to give him up. Um, so the price there just is not enough. Um, and then for Torreira, you know, that's, you know, already booking a, a good profit on him. We got Gwen Doozy to back him up. I think that you can go out and go shopping and probably find, a, a, you know, a decent replacement for, you know, 40. You probably even get it front for, you know, another 25, 30, you know, and bank that 10 for another spot. So um, in a, you know, an options where there's not a great choice, you, you got to make the hard one and, you know, go and say, thank you, Lucas Torreira. But, you know, see you. Uh, I, I'm organizing a stoning outside the podcast. Um, so, so you're, uh, I mean, you're going to get rid of a, an Arsenal Academy graduate? Yeah. 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 We've loads of them. We've got them coming out our fucking ears. <laughs> Look, I, I, I would say this. I am probably going to then com- complete the trio and sell Alex Awobi. <laughs> um, no, for me, the reason you don't sell Torreira, although I think 40 million is actually probably close to his real market value right now, is that's a position that Arsenal has had no luck filling for a long, long, long time. And while I think it's unclear whether Torreira is just really good or a future star, either of those things is a massive upgrade from Francis Coughlin, the skeleton of Matthew Flamini, the Danielson, Alex Song. I mean, it's just it's a position that's been a disaster basically since Flamini Part 1 left, but really since Gilberto left. I keep him because... I just want that issue solved, and I think he's the right player to give Ganduzi a platform to continue to develop, and ultimately for Shaka to be able to play a little bit before he's gone. So, I just I don't want to create a problem that we took a decade trying to solve. I think in terms of Bellerin, he's so good, and if he can be healthy, I think he is about as good as you can hope for in the position. And we saw early in the season when he played the difference he made in Unai Emery's system. Emery requires these fullbacks slash wingbacks to get forward and be part of the attack. Look how important Kolasinac has been to our attack and how left-sided we've been in attack. 
That's not the case when Bellerin plays. When Bellerin plays, we get more down the right. And even as good as Maitland-Niles has been last couple-ish games, I think getting Bellerin back balances the attack in a way that we we are not balanced without him. And I just don't think Emery's system can work really well without two great wingback stroke fullbacks. So I keep him. Alex Awobi is worth more than 20 million pounds. There's no question about that. He's probably worth double that. Um, he is a player with a lot of skills, but it is unclear yet where he's going. Is he going to be a midfielder who carries the ball into the final third? Is he a final third entry guy? Is he going to stay a wide player and add end product? You know, I certainly don't necessarily see that. Maybe some assists, but certainly not goals. I think he's been so strong and so impressive this season. He's our breakout player this season, I think, in a lot of ways. But I also look at the academy, and I see Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe and John Jules and, and Kedia and Reese Nelson, and I say there are academy players with end product who are dynamic, banging on the door to get wide positions, and we're probably going to want to go out and buy a wide player as it is. So maybe what I do, because I don't think we can replace Torreira and Bellerin easily or at all, is I move Awobi. Because again, I'm being forced to sell one. I don't want to sell Awobi, let's be clear. But I move him because I think there are other people knocking on the door to take that role. Plus, we have to buy and address that role anyway. And I'm not even sure it's clear that that's the role that Awobi is going to grow into ultimately. Having said that, I think you could get absolutely fucking burned by it. He could turn out to be a superstar at whatever position he learns to really make his own. None of these are players you want to get rid of. And that is the purpose of the question. Does anyone want to attack my conclusions, Paul? Uh, no. No, no. No, no. I think it's, well, I mean... Scott does. Just, He's chomping at the bit. <laughs> you, you can't get rid of Terrer for these exact reason you talked about. I mean, look at City trying to replace Fernandinho. It's that problem position in almost every team. Yeah, they're really struggling. Guy... They might only finish with like 95 points this season. <laughs> yeah. <fantastic. laughs> uh, so it, it can't be him. Uh, and and 60 million for for Bellerin gives you a lot of play money to to make some changes. And And if we need money over the summer... That's that's a lot of lucre to work with. Awobi's uh, well worth his twenty million and some, so it's pretty easy for me to to go with the the Bellerin option, much as I love the fella. Yeah, I think what I would say is the forty and the sixty are much closer to true market value than the twenty. There's no question about that. But I think what we lose in Bellerin and Terrera is much clearer than what we lose in Awobi. I mean, Scott, does that rationalization at least wash with you? I mean, again, I'm acknowledging. He's the one fee I've listed that isn't the right fee. But what we yeah, lose... Yeah, well, I think you're extending Arsenal's bad selling streak, so it's very on-brand for Arsenal. Perfect. There you go. Okay, great. Let's move on. Scott, I got one for you. Would you rather sign two defenders from Manchester City this summer of your choosing or two attackers from Liverpool? Ooh, this is a good one. Um so the defenders, let's see, they're trying to think of, so would you take the Laporte and Oh, and, and I want to emphasize Jones? something. And the team doesn't get to replace them. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I might, yeah, I think, you know what, I think I would actually take the two Liverpool you know, attackers. Would it be? I would take uh, both wide players. Sadio Mane and Salah. And Salah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I think, you know, you you add those to then one of Arsenal's strikers and then you could, you know, obviously then one of Arsenal's strikers would become expendable. And then, you know, you could use that, you know, fee that you get for selling whoever that is to, you know, strengthen defense. So I think that's probably, yeah, that would be amazing. And that would absolutely kill Liverpool. And, you know, everybody hates Liverpool. It definitely, the upside of doing that is, I think you turn Liverpool back into a struggler for top four at best. Um I don't know 
if you make us good enough to win the league, though? I mean, Paul, what's your take? Yeah, um, like if you if I take argue the city side of things, I don't think you really nobble them if you take uh, Stones and Laporte. Uh, it would definitely. Can, can you define nobble? <laughs> screw them up. Okay, cobble cool, them. <laughs> um, the one thing it would do for us is it would nail our game for playing out from the back uh, with those guys. Um, and if that's going to be a fundamental building block, we would have the players to do it. Um, and building on that kind of base, uh, I think that's why you'd go that way. But I'd still lean towards getting Salah and Mane. Man, that, that, would, uh, that would really give us some attacking power next year we got a we got a couple of attackers already so there's always that side of things do we get to sell a couple of players because that brings yeah, you, in a whole we bunch can do of whatever cash. business we need to i mean look i i buy it paul the only thing i would say is like imagine this arsenal allowing half the goals it has this season because the attack hasn't been bad i mean it hasn't been liverpool and and city level but it's it's not far from that especially at home the defense we'll see what is our shocking. Arsenal defense can do to John Stones and Laporte, uh, <laughs> though. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would be know, yeah, my concern. I gotta yeah, but you know what, guys? Like we joke, and I certainly joke more than most. And the reason I do it is because I don't have any legitimate points to make. But like, I think when you look at the defense, when we've had Socrates and Koscielny, who are not exactly the second coming of Cannavaro, and you know, um, uh, who's the other guy who was good? Um. No, Maldini. Maldini. No, there Maldini. you go. Sure. Any good, yeah. um, you know, or I could have just gone with like Campbell and Adams or you know anything like that. But um, he's not the second coming. These aren't the second coming of those. And even when we have them, we look competent defensively, right? I think adding two quality central defenders, and then maybe you keep a Socrates and you let Koscielny go and you move on Mustafi and you keep holding. Now you have four central defenders who are competent, two who are really good. You've got a really good fullback in Bellerin and you know you got Kolasinac who you you do what you have to with maybe you keep Nacho on to be a backup you have attackers who can score you go out you buy one scoring wide player and you may be a title contending team because your defense gets much better and the attack doesn't need to get much better if you make the attack much better and I'm not sure how much better you can make it but you can make it better with those two no doubt no doubt you could can you improve the defense enough in the market to make the difference. I, that's a tough call. But I think the tipping point for this question has to be the way you nobble Liverpool, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have a, another wrinkle here to think about here. Ooh, what I like wrinkles. The, yeah. what, what, if we, what if we don't think <laughs> Wait about two Wait a minute. center backs? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that to be taken the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. What if it's not two center backs from City? What if it's Laporte and Mendy? And you get that left back, you mm. know, because that's something that's, yeah, that's a, a, good point. You know, I said a long-term issue. Yeah. Man, Mendy's nuts. <laughs> when he's healthy. He also never plays. He's, he's arguably the best left back in the Premier League. Yeah, I think when he's, when he's healthy, he's still nuts, though. No, oh, That doesn't change. He's an awesome guy on social but, media. But does Mendy solve our Kolasinac problem? Like, is he defensively good enough? I think I think he's better, um, you know, than Kolasinac as a defender. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. I mean, I, I think... You know, here's the hard part, too. We're all idiots. Let's admit it. We want to watch players who score goals, and having Mane and uh, Salah would be a ton of fun. <laughs> so it's just really hard. Um, all right. Then, then we could sell Wobi for $20 million and I wouldn't be worried. Good. See? It's all coming together now. That's called synergy. Uh, Paul, you ready? Yeah. 
Would you rather win mm-hmm. next season's Europa League or get knocked out of the Champions League at the quarterfinal? Next year, yep. 2019-20, would I rather win the Europa League next year? Or get what knocked out of the Champions League at the quarterfinal? What am I doing in the Europa League next year? <laughs> I mean, playing in it? <laughs> Refereeing? I assume you're playing in it because you just but, won it. But, but we're busy getting knocked out by Barcelona in the round of 32. Um, <laughs> exactly. We don't make it out of the group stage of the Champions League and you know fall down to the Europa League. Yeah, that's not us, but I guess it could. All right, so it's Europa League or or what? L- let me let me restate the question. Would you rather win yeah. next season's Europa League? Yeah. Or get knocked out of the Champions League at the quarterfinal? Uh, get knocked out of the quarterfinal. Isn't it so weird? Isn't it so weird how our brains work? Because I think that's the right answer. And yet you're right basically answer. saying I would rather lose in not particularly classy fashion from one competition than win the other. Scott, I mean, do you feel the same way? Yeah, so I mean, I guess there's different you know, ways that you can kind of think about this. So how did we get to the Europa League? Did we get to the Europa League by absolutely falling apart this season and, you know, not getting into the top four? If that's the case, then, you know, I'd rather obviously win the, you know, the Europa League. Um, you know, that would be a good option. You know, because the Champions League wasn't even, uh, you know, a possibility. Um, if we got there by, you know, dropping out in the group stage, that 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 kind of sucks, and that really kind of puts a damper on things. And that basically means that, you know, the Champions League was a failure. Yeah, we made it to the Europa League, but that really kind of puts that into a different perspective, where it, it's not, it's no longer a, a thing that matters anymore. You you failed already in your your goal. Um, but you know, getting to the quarterfinals that means that we won uh, one of the first knockout stages. So we we made it past the we, we got out of the group. We made it past that first hurdle. So and, so know, we beat we beat Bayern in the first knockout round. <laughs> there we go. We got some you know, we got something good to celebrate. There's some momentum going towards next year. Yeah, it sucks to get knocked out at the quarterfinals, but that's probably you know where you look at Arsenal unless they get a, a super favorable draw. That's probably about where you'd expect them to be. And there are two types of teams in the Premier League our primary goal, teams that are top four and teams that want to be top four. And for it to become part of who we are and part of our DNA again and part of our thinking and part of our recruitment, we've got to be a serious top four team. So I don't think we can dally with Europa League. We've got to be a Champions League team each year and a top four team each year, even if next year is not the most exciting Champions League competition for us. Yeah, I mean, right, like you you wouldn't say – you know, if I said to you, would you rather finish f- fifth in the Premier League or win the championship? Like, I think you're going to say you'd rather finish fifth in the Premier League because you don't want to be in the championship. Like, yeah. we don't want to be in is. the Europa League. It just is what it is. But I think it is interesting because especially if we don't win the Europa League this season, I guess it raises the question of, like, how important is it for this club to win a European trophy? And is the Europa League the kind of European trophy that changes anything about this club? You know, I don't I think it, I, I don't I think, think it, it changes does. any I don't I don't think it does. Uh, I, I think it it changes that dimension of who we are as a club, but there's multiple dimensions, the most important of which is are you a top four slash champions league club going forward? You know what the irony is, guys? There's a way where you could say like winning the Europa League only cements you further as like a Europa League level club. Like yep. I, didn't we kind of rip the piss out of United for winning the Europa League like a little yeah. bit? 
you know, losers. I mean, yeah, except full yeah. of buffoons. Yeah, well, I, and I, and I hope that's us <laughs> this season. So fair enough. Um, all right, I'm going to ask you just real quick a couple of the ones that we did with uh, with Clive. I'm going to leave Scott out of this because he and I kind of touched on it in the uh, in the YouTube show. But I'm going to ask you, Paul. You can drop one of these two players into the Arsenal team for the run-in in their prime. Alexis Sanchez or Cesc Fabregas? In their prime? Yeah. Uh, Cesc Fabregas. Somebody who'll pull the strings. In his prime, he'd probably score half the goals we needed. Uh, he'd give us all of the assists we needed. And if they had the nerve to have a, uh, a, uh, a parked bus... Uh, he'd, he'd find the through balls to our on-running runners. So that's mm. an easy one in his prime. Yeah, yeah, I think, I got to tell you, Clive made a pretty strong argument for Alexis, but... Yeah, yes. but he's not here. No, so we can <laughs> shit on his opinions right now. Uh, all right, Scott, you ready? You have to lose yes. one to a season-ending injury. Shaka or Torreira? Shaka. Really? Defend yourself. Yeah, I think so. Um, so I think I think Gwen Doozy, I think didn't that, you just want to sell Torreira? Now you want to keep him for the rest of the season? Make up your mind, man. <laughs> I think that you know uh, Gwen Doozy can do a better job of replicating what Xhaka brings. I don't think that Xhaka is so much a, a linchpin of the team. Um, as long as Ozil is in the team, there's you know someone else who can kind of you know do that kind of job of connecting. Um, same thing if you know Awobi's in the team, we can have we have other connectors. Um, while I think Xhaka is a, a good player, an important player for us, I think that there are other players that we can mix and match to be able to replicate what he brings All right. where we don't necessarily have the defensive midfielder Let me push you know, back on that just waiting. Let me just interrogate that for a second. Tell me what the midfield pairings are that in your mind would be good enough to get us where we need to go without Xhaka. I think you might have to go to a you know a three in midfield kind of a situation. I think that you could go you know Ramsey, Torreira, Ozil. I think those three together would have We've enough. We've never seen be- it. I mean, there's no indication that he would try it. We've never seen it. Um, I think with those three, who's the deep I think distributor that- there? Like who's who's the guy who picks the ball up from the defense and starts the. I think that you, you look to see Torreira to, to be the, the deepest of the, the three. Um, you know, he's not going to do the, the spraying of the long balls, but I think that he would do enough to be able to, you know, get the ball to his other midfield teammates that are a little bit further, um, you know, advanced. Um, and I think you also, um, you can also see situations like this where, you know, we have a, a three at the back and you have the, the two wingbacks that are also able to, to help connect play in midfield. So I think there's ways to, to get around that. You know, there's, you know, lots of teams that don't have a, a deep line playmaker that you're able to kind of get through things um so i think that that's probably the you know thing that you can lose i'm not saying that we should lose him no i I get it i'm forcing you i'll tell you something scott i would have agreed with you so fast it would have made your head spin i would have thought this question was stupid two months ago and many people listening may think it's stupid now it's not an unusual reaction to what i'm asking on a podcast but what i will tell you is that i think these last couple of games with the shaka ramsey midfield in the back three we kind of discovered something and it wouldn't surprise me if that's something that Emery has in mind to do again a lot more, maybe away. Um, and I would hate to lose that. I think that Ganduzi has rightfully been taken out of the firing line and that maybe it's time for him to just kind of be a rotational option for the rest of the season now as we get to the you know, the real sharp end when when maybe he was just starting to lose his his biggest influence. 
So for me, I, I don't know that I want to see a Ganduzi Torreira central midfield pairing again. I think the Shaka Ramsey one is important. And I think if he doesn't want to go Shaka Ramsey, you know, to your point, he he can go with a three with like a Shaka Ramsey and Ganduzi and have a little more control that way. I don't know. I mean, look, this would have been a very easy question for me just a little while ago. I would have said, yeah, Shaka, goodbye. Torreira is much more important. And I think going forward long term, Torreira is the much more important player. And Shaka has a lot of weaknesses. But for right now, in the moment, especially seeing what the Ramsey-Shaka midfield did in the last couple of games, I'd, I'd be loath to see it go away. Um, Paul, I'm going to ask you a slightly different one. Would you rather lose Lacazette or Socrates to a season-ending injury? Fuck. Uh, I wish I hadn't spent so, t- so much time finally balancing these questions. It's like they are by definition finally balanced. And I'm with you on the Chaka thing as well. I think we look pretty stale without him around to progress the ball uh, the times we haven't had him. But I would... uh, I'm thinking given our difficulties away from home and the number of times we've conceded goals, I'm sticking with uh, Socrates and I'll live with uh, Aubameyang who's, you know just a world-class finisher uh, as our attacking lineup now would only leave us with one striker where we we have multiple defenders, but we don't have multiple successful defending pairs and we are feckin' shy to keeping the ball out of our net away from home. Uh, And we got five games away from home, so I will lose Lacazette and keep Sox because Sox, Koscielny, is critical to our run-in, in my opinion. Scott, if you want to keep any internal consistency to your logic here, <laughs> you're, there's only one answer you can pick, and that's Lacazette, right? Yeah, I think that you you, you have to lose Lacazette. Um, that is just such a, an issue, and it sucks to, to lose him, but that's the only way that you can do it. Wait, sorry, I, I have to rephrase. that. You have to pick the other one. You have to pick Socrates, because you picked getting well back back over getting holding back. Yeah, but I think that that's it's still dependent sense. on it's still dependent on you know, those two guys being able to play. Uh, okay, I, I, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. I see your point. You're saying you're saying in in the Welbeck one, you presume Sock and and Kishelny play a lot. You can't exactly. afford to I think lose that Sock they can for play, all. You know, they play eighty percent of the minutes. Got you know, okay. going forward. All right, okay, that's fair. Because so I, I can I can deal with you know you know twenty percent Mustafi. I'm in. But I'll, I can deal with it because I think it's going to happen anyway. Last two quick ones. Uh, the, guys, guys, yeah. guys, I, I just got to say it's really uncomfortable listening to you two going at each other here. I just <laughs> got to say this for me and the, for the, the listeners. I know so. you hate conflict. Um, all yeah. right, Scott, real quick. Would you rather Ramsey re-sign with us for 250000 per week but we lose <laughs> Ozil on a free or everything happens the way it already has? I think I'd rather keep Ramsey for 250000 I think that's a pretty reasonable wage for them to be on. Um, I, I mean, he might be you know, slightly above his market rate. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good one. I think his age is a, a little bit better for what Arsenal want. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that it's the better option. Yeah. I love Ozil. But it it frees up 100, keep... 100 grand. Yeah, uh, Paul, I actually, I kind of regret asking this one again because I did ask it to Clive, and in retrospect, I think it's probably pretty easy. But do you have a differing, differing opinion? On this topic. Um, uh, uh, frees up 100K, uh, and you have to live with an aging Ramsey versus an aging Ozil. Who is already more uh, aged. How many yeah. years are we keeping Ramsey for? Uh, 11. 11. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. Call it a three-year deal. That, that yeah. makes it even easier. I mean, yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the last one. Paul, you ready? Yep. Would you rather keep our schedule the way it is mm-hmm. or have six home games, but the two away games are City and Liverpool? So we sacrifice the points from City and Liverpool, effectively. Uh, and we're, we're, we're getting at least two and a half points at home for six games uh, based on our averages. So that doesn't get it six, done. Six twos to 12, 15. Uh, that just puts us right in, right in trouble area there. 75. Yeah. Uh, it yeah, kind of takes it out six. of our hands. You yeah. have to win the six home games for this to make any sense. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll keep our schedule the way it is. I, I think, despite all our away form, I think we're going to resurgence. See, see a resurgence here. Okay. <laughs> Don't you laugh at me, you shit. Um, I think we'll see a res- resurgence here. Resurgence, resurgence. Oh, you're no, you're no one to talk, Scott. You, you yeah, stay in your stop, corner and practice stop, your words. <laughs> I got enough trouble with the other bastard. Um, no, I, I think we're due a resurgence here. So fuck it. <laughs> Okay, cool. Scott, Scott, do you see a resurgence in our future? Oh, no. no, all right. Um, would you keep the schedule the way it is, or would you go with the six and two? The six home games I think, and two I think I'd keep the, the schedule the way it is. Uh, I think it's just you're putting you're, – you're asking a lot because you probably need at least one point um, from those you know matches. And you don't both think of those- in a title run-in that they might just be the slight – and with Champions League still for both of them that you might be able – to get something in one or both of those games out of them? I mean, especially Liverpool freezing up, trying to chase City and all the pressure on them. I mean, but then you're you're also thinking just how bad Arsenal are away. Like, do you really trust them to go get a minimum of a point at one of those places away? Um, Especially because, you know, there's... And then, you know, it puts a lot of pressure for Arsenal to be able to perform at home, which I think they could do it. I, I definitely think that, you know... Uh, probably the expected points would probably come out with, you know, take the home games because Arsenal is so much better at home. But I feel like that Emery has gotten a better idea of how to attack these smaller clubs away. He's gotten a little bit more aggressive, a little bit less on the, you know, conservative approach, you know, leaning into Arsenal strength. So I'm going to go with Emery kind of figuring things out and stick with the schedule that we have. Yeah, it's funny. So <laughs> Clive picked the... Uh the change, and then I changed the question to where it was six home games, but the Liverpool and City game delivered the exact same results we got from them already. So 5-1 and 3-0. And he still picked the home games. <laughs> he, he gave us the 18 points at home, which, to be fair, if you think we can pull that off, I mean, it's kind of the right call, isn't it? Eight, 18 I mean, points would do I mean- it. I think that Arsenal are in a good points? spot to get 18 points for where they're at right now. So, I mean, you're you're right at the, 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 like Paul was saying, a very finely balanced question. Well, we'll see if there's a resurgence in our future. <laughs> in any event, let's oh, leave it there. <laughs> I'm about to. Paul's on Twitter at Positive My Pants. Thanks, Paz. Woohoo! Uh, Scott's on Twitter at O underscore that underscore crap. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thank you guys for putting up with this. This is a lot of fun. I hope you had as much fun listening to it. I doubt it. But if you did, thank you and let us know and we'll do another one in the future. Um, Hey, if you could vote for us in the FBAs, we don't deserve it, but we would love you for doing it. Um, You can go to our website, arsenalvisionpodcast.com forward slash FBAS. 
FBAs. And there's literally like a two clicks to vote thing there. Or you can tweet about it and then everybody gets to see that you're voting for us. Uh, so your shame can be out in the open. And sometimes that's the way to let everybody know you have a problem. Um, and you can do that. Uh, go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com forward slash FBAs and you can see the way to tweet it out. Um, you know, or Facebook it or Instagram it or any of those things. The most important well, thing I'm is... I'm not feckin' voting for you. You don't have to vote for me, but a, a vote not... Would you rather not vote for me and also not vote for yourself <laughs> or vote for me and thereby also vote for yourself? It's an easy one. In any event, um, yeah, we love you. We've got, uh, we've got a lot more coming up and we hope you'll stick with us. We think it's going to be a big finish to the end of the season. We're looking for a big Arsenal resurgence as, as we get to the run-in and uh, hopefully a top four finish and a Europa League trophy at the end of it. Would you I rather... I think we have a title for this podcast. <laughs> resurgence? Would you rather have a resurgence? <laughs> Scott, stick to the data, my man. I'll stick. I'll stick to the the bad jokes. In any event, um, yeah, we love you. We will. Uh, we will call it a day, and we will talk to you after Arsenal ten, Newcastle nil.